amazing things in our life can come through very non-linear and very unexpected ways. Because when I created Berlin Boss Babes, I actually just created a Facebook group because I was in a place where I was craving interactions with women that are not my girlfriends right now, but women that come from all kinds of diverse backgrounds. And I just created a Facebook group and I thought, okay, that will be cool. Maybe there will be like 100 women exchanging with each other and I will be very happy. And then it really blew up. Hey, I'm Jenny Russell and welcome to the Art of Finding Joy podcast. I want to say thank you so much to everyone who has been tuning in so far. I've had some wonderful messages of great feedback and support and it means the world to me that you are resonating with the content of this podcast. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so grateful for you all and I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, um, her name is Tamara Rose Morales and she is a business coach and the founder of Berlin Boss Babes. I love Tamara's approach of building women up, creating communities of women that can support and nurture each other and also her practical approach to creating tangible attainable steps that we can use to move forward in our careers instead of knowing where we want to get to, but having no idea how to approach it. It was a pleasure having this conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you all. So without further ado, here is Tamara. Hey, Tamara, Hi. welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Jenny, for inviting me. I'm very excited to chat to you today. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I was just so excited to see that you're someone that supports women so much and is just a really great facilitator for bringing people together. And I'm really excited for people to hear a bit more about you and what you do. Yes, happy to share. So um, shall I just go for it? <laughs> uh, go, go, go into it. So um, my name's Tamara. I'm the founder of Berlin Boss Babes. Berlin Boss Babes is basically a platform and a community that aims at uniting and empowering women to create careers of their design and desire. So it's a space that's all about, you know, coming together as a group, coming together as a community where women support each other, you know, peer to peer. So there's a lot of um, peer to peer exchange, uh, advisement, uh, mentoring. And on top of that, there's a layer that's basically being provided by me and by my team, where we uh, support these women with consistent content that's either, you know, educational or motivating and inspiring, um, mainly focused on the topics uh, of career, business and money. So we really want to create female empowerment, um, especially across these three topics. And because we know that um, there's only so much that you can do by yourself um, or even with the support of a community or, or friends, there's also a variety of events, uh, meetups, workshops, but also uh, private coaching and group coaching offered by me. 
So it's really a whole package. And as of today, um, it's hard for me to say how many members we do have because we are spread across, uh, you know, we have a really big Facebook group. It's more than 4,000 women in there. Um, there's around 3,000 women following on Instagram. But I always say like probably it's around 5,000 women right now. And um, it actually only started in July last year. And I always like to um, share the story because I think it's a good example of um, how amazing things in our life can come through very non-linear and very unexpected ways. Because when I created Berlin Boss Babes, I actually just created a Facebook group because I was in a place where I was craving interactions with women that are not my girlfriends right now, but women that come from all kinds of diverse backgrounds. And I just created a Facebook group and I thought, okay, that will be cool. Maybe there will be like 100 women exchanging with each other. And I will be very happy because I will have like uh, sparing partners and people to, to support, but also people to support me. And then it really blew up. And I think in a way it showed that there was a certain need uh, in the market. Um, it's focused on Berlin. It's a local a platform and community. And yeah, I'm just super happy to see how things have, um, have developed over uh, a bit more than a year so far. That's really incredible. And like you say, I think it just shows that there is a need um, for these things. And so often we're all looking for the same thing, but there's not just one container where we can all meet and chat. Yeah, um, exactly. And so did you, so you started the group just because you were looking for, to meet new people and for company. Then when did you decide to turn it into your full-time career? Ah, oh, that's a good question. I think it was a bit of a gradual process. So, um, the first um, aha moment I think I had when um, I connected with a woman called Mar Marcella. She's a financial coach and um, she was one of the first women to join the community. And when I learned about her work, um, she's helping um, uh, people who have moved abroad with their finances and with investing. I thought, oh my God, this is such a relevant topic. And I know that especially women need to step up their financial literacy. And um, together with her, I created the first workshop. And it, I decided to make it a paid workshop because I also wanted to pay her. Um, because for me, you know, female empowerment also means that women are actually getting paid for their work. Um, no matter if they are beginners at something or if they are already experts, like if they put in the work, they should be paid for it. Um, and the workshop sold out. It was a huge success. And I think that was the first moment when I thought, hmm, this could really become more. And then um, I think it was actually only this year, sometime in spring, I was still employed in a part-time job. So over the last two years, I've been working um, part-time for different uh, startups and tech ventures. Um, I've been also uh, developing my own coaching business because I'm also a career and business coach for women. And I think in the spring, um, you know, we had more and more workshops. Um, I did also receive more and more um, interest in, in, in coaching women, both one-on-one, um, -on -one, but also in a group. And I thought, okay, actually, this is now the perfect launch pad to make it, to make it, to turn it into a for purpose, but also for profit business. 
And I also knew that if I can commit to it full time and if I can make sure that I'm getting paid, I can really like create a lot of like a lot of um, value and also a lot of potential transformations for the women who are part of the group. So it was actually um, in June this year when I was then also going through some health issues. I was really overworked. I was having, I think, three UTIs in one month. And, you know, I usually only get a UTI when I'm really, when something's up. It's like the thing my body is like doing to me to show me, hey, please take better care of me. And uh, it was, yeah, it was in June. And I remember I, I just knew I'm done with working for other companies. I'm doing this now. My body is telling me to do so. The community is telling me to do so. And I just quick quit. And I, it's been really the best decision, to be honest. I've never been, I've never been more, full, more fulfilled in my, in my career, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing to hear that I completely agree how important financial literacy is for women. I feel like it's absolutely not part of so much of the things we're taught. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a huge roadblock to women actually pursuing something like a freelance career or starting their own business because it's so overwhelming to not know how to manage finances or even where to start to ask yeah. for help. So I'm in a way, I'm not surprised that the workshop sold out, but I also completely understand that it's super scary to put yourself out there and ask for money yeah. um, for these things because there's a big inferiority complex where like, are people gonna turn up or is this the right thing? Or am I charging too much? And you don't really have a baseline until you've done it a couple of times yeah. and then you can go, this worked and this didn't work, but yeah. It's always that really scary first step. So I applaud you for doing that. And thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's a big deal. And um, I think that when, especially with Berlin Boss Babes and it's something local, people will see that and go, oh, maybe I could try that too. Um, and I think you affect change in more than one way, more than just the way of someone going to a workshop and learning something new but also seeing a role model. Yeah, that's actually a super good point. And honestly, this is the reason why I wanted it to, why I wanted to make it a local community because in July last year, I don't know about you, but for me, when um, the pandemic started and everything went very virtual and a lot of interactions were happening online, I actually also made a lot of friendships all over the world because of connecting, because I connected with people on social media. So when I created Berlin Boss Babes, I thought hmm, I could make this a global thing, right? But then I thought, no, first of all, the reality, the local reality is very specific. My reality here in Berlin is different from a reality in London or New York or I don't know, uh, Sao Paulo, right? Um, so that's number one. And the second thing is exactly what you said, because I do believe that when we see people that are either similar to us or that they are relatable because we share specific, um, yeah, like factors in our lives, such as, you know, the location, um, it, and they do something that you aspire to do, it will be, you will believe more that you can do it. 
Um, so the role model aspect here is actually a big reason why I wanted to make it local. Especially, I think, in Berlin, where there's so many expat women, it feels like that local relevancy is even more important. And the other thing I thought you said that was super powerful was that, you know, you noticed your body telling you that it was time to stop, that it wasn't working the way you were doing it. And I mean, I I can definitely empathize with that one, but I, I think so often we think, that if there's an issue, it's our body that's the issue and we've just got to keep keep trying to make whatever the situation is fit and our body will just wrap around whatever other things are going on. And part of the reason I love what you're doing is that you talk about creating a vision for your career. And I think for most people, it's probably something they've never even thought of before that the career can be more than just working for someone else, being a nine to five, being something that you have to do rather than something you want to do. Um, And I would love for you to talk a bit more about what you define as a vision and maybe um, some steps as to how people can start to figure out what it is for them. Yeah. Sure. I'm happy to to share. I think, first of all, what's important to know or what I want to acknowledge is I don't have a very strict or narrow definition of what a vision is or should be. I think my personal definition comes from my own experience because um, the way I grew up and the way I went through my adult life, I think, and I think I'm really not the only one, we are being impacted and influenced by so many things and of others people of other people's opinions and ideas who or what we should become right so um when growing up very often our parents or our family caretakers they want a certain path for us and in a way their vision then becomes our vision you know becoming a doctor um, becoming a lawyer, like, you know, all these, <laughs> these professions that come very high ranked when you ask uh, a loving parent that wants like a good future for their kid. Um, but even in the media, and I think this is actually something that I spoke about um, at the event where, where you and I met, is um, even the media portrays people with visions as, 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 as people who have these really huge and crazy ideas for themselves and for the world. So, um, you know, I was mentioning Elon Musk um, creating, you know, a, a space company wanting to colonize Mars. If I think that this is, that this is what a vision should look like, and I'm not planning to uh, colonize Mars, then I'm probably telling myself, well, then I don't have a vision. And I think what I want to encourage everyone to um, to experiment with is that a vision basically is just you looking into your future. And, you know, as if you were looking through this, uh, I don't know what's it called in English, like this thing you look through when you when you look into into the distance. Um, Yes, exactly. And you would see yourself in the future, you would see, uh, you know, future Jenny, one, two, three, four, five years from now. And um, then the next thing is, it's not only about where is Jenny and what does Jenny do? It's more about how does she do? How does she feel? Like, is she happy? 
if she is happy, why is she happy? What is she doing? Like what leads her to uh, feeling fulfilled and accomplished? Um, are her values actually manifested in the future? So for example, my values are um, love, health, autonomy. Um, so if I think about my future self, I, w I imagine her to be in a reality where these values actually are a reality. And the more we do that exercise, the more we actually connect with a future version of ourselves that does have, you know, everything that they deserve, then suddenly things start coming up like, mm, maybe she's actually working in a job that doesn't burn her out. You know, like very often when we start working on our visions, we start identifying what we don't want. We don't want a toxic toxic boss. We don't want a job that has a lot of extra hours. We want we don't want a job that's uh, underpaying us. And the more we, again, lean into it and we give ourselves permission that mm, we actually do deserve that and maybe we can make it happen, then um, the positive side of it also starts to manifest more. So then we get more clarity on, okay, so what job would actually be the right job for me? Um, do I want to stay employed? Do I want to do maybe something else? Do I want to take a break? Do I want to create a company? And um, so for me, a vision really starts with connecting with your future self, checking in with how they feel, what makes them feel that way, are their values being like, are their values a part of their reality? And only then looking at how that, what, what implications that has on their work-life reality, so to say. So yeah, I think it can be also like a fun experiment. And what I also sometimes encourage people to do when you go online, even on YouTube, there are a lot of really cool future self-meditations where you can go on this dream journey and you connect with the future version of yourself. And these can be actually quite powerful. And um, I started doing these, I think, uh, a year or two years ago. And when I did these, that they gave me some really good insights on what could be part of my vision. So I guess I also want to share that as a, <laughs> as a recommendation here. Yeah, we are so good at imagining future situations of what if things go wrong. And yeah. someone said to me a few months ago, well, what do you want the future to look like? What are you working towards? And I, I had general ideas and they said, be more specific. And I couldn't be. Yeah. And this, you know, it's really something you have to train to like be able to imagine the what if things go well scenario in your head uh, what kind of um job do you want to work in what kind of house do you want to live in what yeah. color is the door on the house that you're going to live in in five years you know like it doesn't necessarily have to stay that way forever but when we can get really specific it then just continues to give us more clarity of oh yeah, I'm working towards this, or I don't want that. And we're able to refine that vision more and more. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we have the vision, then I think this is what you do very well, but then you can then work backwards and plan how you're going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, even if we aren't all going to be Elon Musk's, whatever vision you've got for yourself feels attainable. 
because there's steps. Attainability is a, always a big roadblock for people. Yeah. Um, I want to speak to that. Actually, there's two things I want to say, um, like I want to add to that. Like number one, it's really interesting to understand our neurological setup because our brain and the neural pathways in our brain are being wired. So if I do something every day for years, for example, if I go to the same job and do the same stuff every day for years, and I think to myself that this is all that I can do, then this is a pathway in my brain. And it's really hard to change it because it's basically, it's our brain. <laughs> and um, the thing that you have mentioned, like that we imagine the future in, in dark colors, that's actually the uh, reptilian part of our brain that always focuses on threat because it wants to keep us safe. So in a way, our brain is not really helpful with <laughs> us creating a big vision. But when we allow ourselves to really imagine and daydream and sit and think about, as you said, what is my house going to look like? Like what, what color is the facade going to be? Are there going to be, I don't know, like, is there going to be a tree? Oh, I want the door to be orange. Like the more you do that, it will create new pathways. And for example, if you create a vision board and you actually put real pictures on it, again, it will rewire your brain. So that's like one thing that you can do to your brain to make things seem more attainable from like a neuroscientific uh, perspective. And the other thing that 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 you um like, I think that the, the second point I have, which is um, closer to what you said around uh, attainability, I always ask myself, and I actually also ask my clients that I work with towards their vision, like, what is the first iteration, the first thing, the first prototype you can create right now, today, this week, that is going to bring you one small step closer to your vision, right? So if we stay with the house example, um, you don't need to, you know, take out a mortgage and, and buy a house today. But for example, you can sit down today and you can think about how much money could I actually save and put, put forward to something like that? And maybe just write things down on a piece of paper. Like this is like the first thing you can do today. And taking out a piece of paper, it's super attainable. Anyone can do it, right? So it's really about, as you said, translating the big thing into smaller steps and then just building one on top of the other. It's true. And then the other thing that happens when you start to take smaller steps is you feel more confident to take bigger steps. Yeah. Because when we make action, even if it's messy and even if it sometimes doesn't get us where we expected it to it gives us clarity and you know and I think when we can build that self-confidence to know like oh I did that and the world didn't fall apart and it's yeah. safe for me to keep trying you know that's really when the magic happens because part of the reason that we have you know our brain likes repetition so much is because it's trying to keep us safe yeah. And I think that there's a very big perception that if you don't work for a company and you don't work in a traditional nine to five, then that's risky. And sometimes it is, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, there's pros and cons of each, but it's almost like, well, if I just keep doing the same thing that I've always been doing, then I might not be the happiest I could be but I'll be safe. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you know what? It's interesting because I had like several conversations exactly about this notion with one of my previous clients. Um, she was planning to leave her job behind and transition into uh, being self-employed and creating her own business. And we talked about how um, we perceive this step, as you said, as something risky and that staying with the job is actually safe. Um, and interestingly enough, um, it's just a matter of how we frame things. And, um, and, and this is why it's so important to, to talk to other people because I then shared or I reminded her of, actually, this has been my own experience as well. I have been, uh, I have been fired once from a job and it was a super unpleasant and a very unsafe experience. And I know so many people that have been laid off and depending on your status in Germany and depending on how long you've worked somewhere, you might be eligible to unemployment benefits or you might not. So being in a job right now doesn't mean you're safe. That's number one. Uh, number two is if you decide to um, do something that seems risky, like, you know, doing like creating a business, if you're good at it and your business does well, you can actually create a buffer, be it like a, a financial buffer that can also keep you safe in, 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 in tricky times. And maybe by being self-employed, um, because you have more influence on your, on your revenue, maybe you could create actually a bigger buffer and, for example, pay more into your pension fund than by staying in that, uh, in that startup job. So, you know, we, we tell ourselves that it's safe, but then I always ask that, is it really true? Could there be a reality where exactly the opposite is true? It feels unsafe, but actually it's just unknown. Yeah. And I mean, I also got fired when I first moved to Germany and it was super stressful and awful and yeah. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, <laughs> but it definitely did change my opinion about things. You know, I think I did become more resilient yeah. you know that it will be okay because I figured it out before and I can figure it out again yeah um, but yeah it's the thing is I would love for people to come to that realization without having to go through the pain of getting fired but yeah. sometimes we can be so stubborn that actually we need that you know big kind of kick of showing us that we are able to figure it out. So, yeah. And yeah. so you said that you have never felt more fulfilled in your life than you do right now. And I can see you smiling and I can <laughs> feel that you're, you know, just really enjoying what you're doing. And I would love to hear more about how following this vision that you created for yourself has brought more joy and purpose into your life. Yeah, sure. There's just one more thing I want to share before I talk about that. I just want people, anyone who's listening to know that you don't need to have a great career or a great business to be fulfilled. I think like a big 
layer that's part of my happiness right now is that I already um, and this is why I love your your content Jenny or your general like like the mission you're on I was already looking for the joy in the small things you know I was practicing a lot being in the present and being grateful for uh, the many things I have accomplished and that I do have in my life and I'm also you know fortunate to have like you know a very fulfilling uh, personal life Um, so you know work is not everything but um I think when it comes to um creating something like that as part of your vision and how to go about that because that was your question right sorry I don't want to just want to make sure that I (laughs) that I remembered uh that I remembered uh correctly I think um like for me one of the biggest learnings and it still is something I'm practicing is to do things intentionally and for example if you have a vision of yourself and that vision includes certain actions to really go through the day self-aware and to ask yourself several times throughout the day how is this action aligned with my vision So, and it can be anything. It can be from, okay, am I going to make myself a frozen pizza, which I do a lot, sorry, (laughs) sharing this right here. Or am I going to cook myself a nice meal with vegetables? Which of them is going to align more with a vision of a healthy self, right? And um, for the work thing, you know, like, what do I want to work on today? Like, um, are the things that I have on my calendar, did I choose to do them? Or is it someone else that put them on me? Is there a way for me to um, set stronger boundaries and take more action around creating days and weeks and months where I am intentionally making actions that are actually bringing me closer to my vision. And um, this is something that I've been now practicing on and off because sometimes I also fall off the the wagon, but, you know, even writing things down and journaling uh, what you're, what you want to do this week and connecting also with your why, and then maybe asking yourself, okay, that meeting with person X, how aligned is that to my vision? Am I meeting them because they could be a potential, they could be bringing me closer to um, that dream job or that dream business? Or am I just meeting them because I'm afraid of saying no? So I think the next, the next part is also really saying no more often and more firmly and not beat yourself up about it. I'm not saying that we all should become super selfish and only do things that are good for us. Um, but I don't know, like, I think I'm also surrounded by a lot of women who do have people-pleasing tendencies and people-pleasing is only going to, it's going to create, it's not the direct way to your vision and your future self. It's going to create a detour and it's going to make the journey longer and harder for you because you will put energy on things that are actually not relevant instead of investing your energy, your time, your resources, your efforts into things that actually are going to bring you closer to your vision. I am definitely a Oh, no, that's not true. I was a complete people pleaser and I'm working on it. It's it's much better than it was. But what I realized was that people pleasing was just a short term solution. It never gave me the long term outcome that I wanted. 
And when I stopped people pleasing as much, in the short term, it was really uncomfortable because people did not like me standing up for myself. And people felt very almost offended that I was now saying no to something that either I used to do in the past or they expected me to just roll over and do. Yeah. And that, you know, it burns when you, when people are just not respecting the fact that you've done something quite hard and they, you know, just saying no, but I want it this way. And then after a while, you can say, okay, but that person wasn't aligned with what I want for the future. Yeah. And it's very hard, but again, it's like those little steps you do and things get easier with people pleasing. That is absolutely one of them. And it's much easier to do it when you know why you're doing it. Yeah. When you know that there's a goal (laughs) you're trying to achieve and there's a reason to say no. Because when we're just in this, like, swimming in this mud middle ground, it's like, well, I'll just say yes and hope that the answer appears magically. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and and I think it's when, you know, like, our career, it's true what you say that our career is just one piece of the puzzle. And... I do think that when we can create a career that feels really aligned and energizing and fulfilling, it just brings up all the other parts of our life too, because um, there are, you know, everything feels more aligned. There are a lot more boundaries. We don't feel burnt out by the work we're doing. You know, even if you're working hard, it still feels exciting. And I think um, for me, like having freedom and autonomy to manage my own time is a big thing. And for everybody, it will be different. They've got these non-negotiable things or these things that are priorities. And yeah, that's the magic of living in a way that feels right to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we can even look at the numbers, right? The time that we spend at work, and it doesn't matter if you're in a job or you run your own thing, you spend a substantial part of your of your day at work. Uh, if I'm thinking about a regular job and spending eight hours there, maybe commuting, maybe with my colleagues, it's 10, 11 hours maybe that I'm spending in an environment that if it's not aligned with who I am, it can be actually really harmful. And that's why when we actually do um, commit to making positive changes to our work lives, the side effects on all the other areas of our lives can be really tremendous. So I've also seen people change their career and suddenly their relationship was so much more happy or suddenly they had less conflicts with their family or their health got better because um, they actually, as you said before, they were now working hard, but not burning themselves out. So I think either way, it's, it's an investment worth making, but at the same time, yeah, I'm afraid that a lot of people still buy into a false, false belief that, um, 
your work life is something that cannot entirely be uh, cannot entirely um, uh, be controlled or impacted by you. Um, but it's only a matter of actually learning that it can. So anyone who's <laughs> listening to this, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's really important to know that you decide how, what kind of work life you want to, you want to have in your life and, and, and you can actually create it. You can deconstruct it and reconstruct it. And you are basically the author of your career, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just yeah. has to feel good to you. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I've left a job that um, was very prestigious and I got so many congratulations when I got this job. And I, you know, I just wasn't happy there. And when I said to people, you know, I'm, I've resigned, I'm going to go and do something else, people were shocked. They were like, but how could you leave this? It's setting you up for the future and it's so good for you. And I just had to say, it's a great job for someone. Mm, yeah. It's just not for me. And it takes, thank you, it takes a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes a lot of guts to go against the, or your friends' opinions or your, yeah. you know, your parents' opinions. And luckily I have the most supportive mom. She celebrated when I quit because she knew I wasn't Aww. happy. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's hard to listen to what your intuition is telling you. But when you start to listen to it, it gets louder. Yeah. Oh, and yes. You, you see the rewards of listening to it quite quickly. No, I mean, 100%. I think our intuition, um, at the end of the day, our intuition is nothing else than our subconscious guiding us. A lot of people think that intuition is something, um, you know, woo-woo and uh, it's a, some, some sort of magic that they don't want to believe in because it's not real. But our intuition is everything that has happened in our life and that we have learned from and that's sitting in our subconscious and it's telling us do this, do that. So it's actually a lot of real life wisdom that's speaking to us through our intuition. So I always, I, I really want to encourage everyone connect with your intuition. As you said, like the more you connect to it, the louder it becomes. And then when you actually act on it and you see that you made the right decision, um, it will empower you to, to do that even more often. And it's a big part of how I, I live my life, to be honest. And me too. Yeah. It may not take me where I expected to go, but it never takes me down the wrong path. Yes, exactly. Same here. Same here. It's all about, actually, I'm happy to go on all of these nonlinear journeys because they are so much better than ending up where you thought you would end up. Yeah. It's hard work sometimes. I think it is. I think this is also something that sometimes comes across, especially on social media, um, in a very... Uh, glossy and polished way you know um this is all self-work and there's a lot of um layers of conditioning on us plus as i said before the way our brains sometimes work it's really not helpful and to change ourselves it can be so hard and i also want to speak honestly about that because it's not like you're 
going to swallow a magic pill and then tomorrow you're going to be this fabulous empowered self. Um, uh, no, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. But I think that at the same time, what I do want to emphasize is self-work really is something that is, is, is for me a way of living. I think I will never stop working on myself. And I also want to show there's for, that, that for me, there's a difference between working on myself and constantly optimizing myself. So self-work is more about, you know, being kind to myself, having compassion and empathy, checking in with myself and yes, sometimes stretching myself to grow, but um, it can be tough. And that's why, and I think this is exactly why we need that part of self-kindness so that sometimes we can also say, hey, today I'm just going to lie on my couch. I'm going to switch on Netflix. I'm going to get that bucket of ice cream and great. <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, as you, as you said earlier, right, having like a supportive environment will make a big difference for you because we need to sometimes cry on someone's shoulder and, you know, have someone just hold space for us when we're not doing so well. I think that's, um, that's so important. Yeah. Our environment is such a strong influence on us. And like you said about social media, it's really like in some ways you're like, I would never have connected with you without social media. It's like, there's so many good things about it, but I also found that when I was a lot more intentional with who I followed and how and when I checked social media, the good impacts grew exponentially. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I would say that I've never really been someone that's um, felt like down by social media. I think just because I'm generally quite an optimistic person and I only followed people that really were aligned with what I was looking for. It didn't have an effect on me like I know it has on some people. But I think if you're not very clear on what you're looking for on social media, that's when it's really easy to get lost. And that's when the comparison kicks in. And then when we compare our life to other people's, it's like, I'm a failure at this. And the glossy, you know, looks of everybody else's, they're just, it's so easy for them and they're kicking ass. So yeah, and social media is just an extension of our environment at the moment, isn't it? So being mindful about what we choose to consume and what we choose to talk about and what we choose to think about is um, is really powerful to how quickly we can come up with a vision that feels good. Absolutely. And I also think that we can actually use these moments that you have just described as something that can show us the way. So for example, if I'm on Instagram and um, this actually happened a lot to me when I was still like in the beginnings of, you know, uh, building my coaching business and uh, I don't know, I had maybe one client and I would look at all these women who have successful businesses. I would feel really shit about it, you know, because I compared myself and um, I fell short in the comparison and I felt bad. But then what I did was first, as you said, like I really thought, okay, which people, what people out there can actually be a role model for me. 
So when I look at them, I still still feel that jealousy or envy. I actually, I think envy is, is, is the better word here. But then that can also be um, used as a channel to ask yourself, okay, what exactly am I envious of or about? And maybe it's actually showing me what I want in my life, right? So if you see someone on social media doing something or having something and you you feel envy, um, then it can be just a sign that this, you want this to be far part of your vision, then having this job or having that business, um, you want that too. And then maybe it would be worth thinking about how it could be part of your vision, right? So it can, I know like it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel comfortable, but sometimes it can also have like a positive uh, or a beneficial side effect for us as well. That's how I think of jealousy too. Yeah. It's like, why? Because normally I really strive to be happy for people. And, and most of the time I am. And when that, jealousy comes in I'm like oh this isn't a nice feeling why do I feel this way oh because yeah. I want that and it's a really I think being able to frame it like that like oh that's good thank you for the clarity yeah. and I find if I can then be grateful for the example that they're setting and for the fact that they helped me realize something yeah. I can then turn it around and be happy for them again yeah so yeah that's a really good point <laughs> Cool. So where can people find um, you on social media or otherwise? And also uh, what future projects have you got coming up that people could learn about and get in touch with you for? Yes. So um, I'm now running a, a group program for women that want to create uh, truly impactful changes in their life and it's called boss babe transformation and it's going to finish at the end of january and then um at the beginning of q2 so probably yeah sometime around march april i will i will launch the next cohort which again will be about empowering women to create exactly the kind of career or business that they that they dream of and it's a, the combination of a one-on-one -on -one and a group setting. So I think, you know, if there's anyone who really wants to commit uh, a certain piece of their time, because the program is, is 12 weeks to um, their self-evolution, I think that might be also worth keeping in mind for now. And then announcements about that will come uh, sometime next year. Amazing. So if they follow you on Instagram and maybe join exactly. the Facebook group, then they'll hear about everything. Exactly. So uh, Berlin Boss Babes on Instagram, but there's also a Facebook group. And then if there's anyone who's more like, um, not so much on these platforms, but on LinkedIn, uh, you can also just, you know, Google Tamara Rose Morales on LinkedIn. And I actually share almost everything on LinkedIn as well. So there's basically a no excuse <laughs> to miss out now. <laughs> Cool. Well, we'll put all of the links in the show notes as well. Yeah. So it's easy for people to find you. And yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on and for this really lovely conversation. And I am, I'm really excited to see what you do next. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for inviting me. It was so much fun. I really love, I know I really love like everything because I was also having these moments like, oh, interesting, you know, so I've really enjoyed this. I look forward to listening to the episode and um, big kudos for you for putting out this podcast. I'm, I'm really excited for you. I hope that episode got you feeling inspired about creating a vision for your own future and maybe a few steps that you can start taking towards fulfilling that. 
We love to hear your feedback, so please let us know what you thought about the episode and leave us a review. You can also keep in touch with Tamara on the Berlin Boss Babe social channels. Until next time, take care and I'll see you then. Bye.